And we got one phone call that was mostly like skeptical, like, is this a scam? And no takers, no real takers. That immediately went into like a, a red zone for educators. What do you mean by red zone? Like no go. People would say like, I'm not trying to lose my job. This, I remember having a conversation with an educator who said, you know, I've been wanting to do this for years, but there was like another teacher at an adjacent school that got fired. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of it. Does it matter how badly you got beaten? Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your gut. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. My name is Elise Burden. I am the executive director of Real World Scholars, which is a nonprofit that focuses on infusing entrepreneurial learning into classrooms across the country. It is my, really my life's work to meet people where they're at and help them discover like what they what they bring to the table, where is their magic, and how can they contribute that to the collective. When did you first start thinking about like fixing like, these curriculum challenges and, and finding solutions for teachers uh, and students? Well, we really didn't start with um, you know an answer as much as a question. My co-founder and I we met in 2013. We came from very different backgrounds. You know, he's about 28 years I think older than I am. Uh, he's a he. He grew up on the other side of the country, uh, and he's been a businessman and a successful businessman for the last. 30 plus years, right? And I had just moved to San Diego. And while we had had really different experiences in the classroom, I was a really great student and he was not a great student. I think we both recognized that there was just a need for more freedom and creativity. And the things that really lit us up, both of us as creatives, were things that weren't nurtured in the classroom. Like I didn't figure out who I was inside those classroom walls. I got lots of affirmations and accolades for my good grades and and upright behavior. But those things didn't really nurture, like water my garden in the same way that other creative endeavors did. And so we just had this feeling that like more young people needed the opportunity to build things, take them out into the world, see how their ideas worked, um, and then grow from that experience. Because oftentimes we don't actually have the opportunity to like fail in real time and, and get back up. Um, and so that was, you know, when we met, it's not that I had been sitting and thinking, how do I change education? I'd had this experience um, and I met my co-founder and he said, I have some money. I want to give it to young people to practice entrepreneurship. You know, he had like sat on a bunch of like business plan competition boards and he was very familiar with the state of entrepreneurial education in this kind of ideation uh, capacity, which is a lot of organizations kind of focus on that. But he really felt like not enough folks were giving students opportunities to go do the damn thing. We kind of started out with this question of like, who is doing like where do we see real student entrepreneurship where students are running businesses in the classroom because we know that like little one-offs were happening but where is it happening you know in a systemic programmatic way and we really couldn't find um, a good a good model we found a couple of awesome organizations that were doing it locally and we also wanted to go beyond those you know local cities and beyond oftentimes the high school space where entrepreneurship was focused and so for us we were really asking how do we create a way for any student across the country K through 12 to be able to engage in a real student run business as a part of their educational experience not as an extracurricular you know being asked what are your ideas how do we take them into the world um, and that's where we started we couldn't find a lot of examples that we could support or model after and so we eventually built our own 
you have to build a real legitimate program. And so that's what we did. We put up a press release and we said, we have a quarter million dollars available for teachers who want to practice entrepreneurship. We will give you money to go start a student run business. And we got one phone call that was mostly like skeptical, like, is this a scam? And no takers, no real takers. Like students, we wanted them to be able to like, you know, uh, have real transactions with folks. And that immediately went into like a, a red zone for educators. What do you mean by red zone? Like no go. People would say, like, I'm not trying to lose my job. This I remember having a conversation with an educator who said, you know, I've been wanting to do this for years. But there was like another teacher at an adjacent school that got fired for doing something similar. And it wasn't even clear that there was any wrongdoing. But the management of money, right, it's a practice that is really well regulated in schools and makes it very challenging for teachers to do anything that is not um, kind of like hyper controlled by their administration. Right. I mean, there's a lot of fear in trying to make change, especially in those like institutions with a lot of bureaucracy. Totally. And I think the reality is teachers aren't they, they don't have the power to change how districts handle their finances. Right. And so you're talking about changing um, kind of from a classroom approach perspective, which a lot of our teachers have done. And, and that on its own has been a big shift. Right. If all the teachers in your hallway are doing traditional stuff and you're like, I want to do something different and it's going to be harder and it's going to be messier. That already is pushing up against the culture. And so then when you start to have to be that squeaky wheel who's asking your administration for more, um, you know, just more exceptions to the rules and it just it it was too many challenges that teachers who wanted to do this kind of work, it kept them out. You know, and around that time, we were hearing, especially from Common Core legislation, a lot of teachers were being tasked with this like 21st century skill mandate. We need to build 21st century skills, which were oftentimes not well defined and no one was given any support. There was a huge appetite for this kind of work, but there was no model. And so we knew that for us to be successful, there had to be some sort of legitimate legal structure for classrooms to run businesses. You know, the reason we knew the first six ideas or so didn't work is because no one signed up for them. No one signed on to them. It couldn't, it didn't really make sense quite yet. How did that feel? Like you, you put all this time into creating a program that you think is going to make a difference. And then it was, no one's like, oh, like, I, I don't see the value in this. And, and no one signs up. How did you take that? I take it fine. I'll be honest, a lot of our ideas were so responsive that it was like, okay, we went to this conference, we got terrible feedback about how this would work. Let's go back to the drawing board. And three weeks later, we may ship that different idea to a bunch more educators. And if they don't like it, that's okay, because we're just continuing to get data as to what that product market fit will be. But the beautiful thing was like every one of those conversations got us closer. It is challenging. There are weird little loopholes and things that have to be accounted for. And the only way you would know that is if you were spending time in the trenches with those teachers who say, actually, this doesn't work for me for this reason. Right. And we spent a lot of time doing that. We were highly iterative. But I think it actually is so well informed by our users that like the the, the quality of the product has really um, stood the test of time. I remember one time going to Boston, right outside of Boston, about 45 minutes, a little town called Beverly. Dr. Yang Zhao, he's a very famous educational scholar. I think he's written like 25 books and he was presenting and he just said, like, we had lunch and he said, great, why don't you come with me to present? We're like six months into this. I'm like 25. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, I've never been a teacher. And I presented in front of an auditorium full of, you know, educators and school leaders And afterwards, there was such demand. And I felt like there was a resounding feeling of like, 
I don't exactly know what you're talking about, but I want in on that. And it wasn't just an excitement, like, uh, you know, an icing on the cake. It felt like the cake. It felt like teachers were saying, this is the answer to my problems. I have been needing to, uh, you know, teach all of these skills. I've been asked to teach all these skills. I've been asked to engage my students, in, you know, beyond the traditional approach. And no one's telling me how. No one's giving me training. No one's giving me, like, programs to do that with. I'm just supposed to do this on my own, right? And the idea of a student-run business, one where the students could create their own learning, that did a lot of that work for them in a way that was so much more organic. And so a lot of our teachers, especially in those first few years, they came to us with all of the bravery in the world saying, we don't know what we're doing, but we want in because it checks off these boxes that like as educators, this is what so many people came to the work for. They want to see young people light up. So where is the program today and what are your focuses and what are you most excited about? So the program is in 85-ish classrooms as of right now, and we varied. So I think, you know, we supported close to 600 student-run businesses in 34 states since 2014. K through 12, they've made somewhere around $350,000, all of which has gone back to their schools or causes they care about. And so the community is really strong. Even in the midst of this pandemic, we've had a lot of teachers stay very plugged in. And a lot of teachers who said that this was the reason their students came to class or showed up to Zoom at all. And so we see just still so much interest and so much thirst, honestly, because a lot of folks are having this collective awareness that these skills aren't extra, they're crucial, no matter what you're going to be doing with your life. And so we see all of this interest in how we can apply it in the after school space, in the art space. Um, We have a partner with Harbor Freight Tools and with them, we're able to focus on high school skilled trades classrooms and focusing on what does it look like to, you know, combine the skilled trades and entrepreneurship so that those students can have those 21st century skills and experiences, you know. And so now it's really a question of we've created this really malleable platform that we we know can work across the spectrum because we've seen it and proven it. How do we find the right partners or, you know, just finding the right partners who can adapt it for their own space? It seems as though everyone collectively wants to be doing some really similar student, student-centered, student-directed learning and entrepreneurship. And, you know, um, experiential entrepreneurship is just a really beautiful way to do that. And so we're kind of having those conversations and figuring out how we grow up as an organization to, you know, really scale this platform to the, the potential that it has. Yeah, it sounds like it's a really exciting place. So where can people find more about what you're doing and uh, the future? You can find us at www.realworldscholars.org. And there, there's all sorts of places that you can kind of get plugged in, whether you're an educator or community leader. Um, There is space in our community for everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. With support from Irene Van Berkel, Matt Fernandez, Renee Buchanan, Sophia Donner, Maura Lynch, Zoe Maddox, Ashley Jimenez, Michael Chung, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Melody Sopani, Cherise Tan, 
Jake Wiley, Ibadat Rai, and Mecca Shelton. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen with support from Abigail Azardia, Elise Caldwell, Jake Wiley, Jordan Ortiz, and Sanessa Gisley. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand with support from Sohail Amartya, Tiffany Dang, Jonathan Wass, and Diana Marie Kandaza. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.